Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there! So, uh, you like pumpkins? I do like pumpkins. I like pumpkin pie. I like pumpkin pancakes. I like pumpkin cookies. I like those pumpkin lattes that you can get over at the Starbucks. I like pumpkin seeds that have been roasted for a long time. And you know what I really like? What's that? Chunkin' pumpkins. Well, I was gonna say, if you're gonna do that, you know, have all those things, you gotta, yeah, bust some pumpkins. Yeah. And you know what? There's no more effective way than busting a pumpkin than by propelling it several hundred feet into a field. You know, I, I kind of doubt that, but it's nowhere near as much fun as doing that. It's That's definitely sure. the one of the more spectacular ways to get at pumpkin innards. Well, if you're going to do that, then you should probably tune in on the Science Channel on November 26th for the Road to Pumpkin Chunkin. And then at 9 o'clock, Pumpkin Chunkin. Yes, 8 and 9 o'clock. Those are when those shows come on. You get to see all how all these, these folks put together various pumpkin propelling devices. So everything from catapults to trebuchets to cannons to like there's the a there's a um a centrifugal one where it has Seriously. to make a full rotation before it can release the pumpkin. Oh yeah. Release the pumpkin. <laughs> I like to pretend like there's some sort of besieging army that is being pelted by pumpkins. That would be fun. I would definitely turn around and run if I ha- I saw pumpkins flying at me at high velocity. Yeah, no kidding. Mm. But uh yeah, you guys should check that out. Yeah. Let's uh move on to our topic of discussion. Yes, today it's a little bit more somber. Although uh in the past when we've discussed somber stuff, we've been accused of being a little too somber. So we're going to be goofy. What happens after you die and you've got all these social networks? Awesome. Um, so yeah, no, this is actually a question that's, that's getting some traction. Uh, what's a good question? Because we didn't have to worry about this stuff until recently. Right. More and more of us are getting involved in having some sort of online presence on, on a social network like Facebook or Twitter or MySpace or whatever. Sure. Sure. Um, even Flickr, things like that. Yeah. And as we do that, we have to start asking ourselves some pretty tough questions like, if I if I were to pass away, if I were to die somehow, if mm-hmm. I walked out of here and got hit by a bus, what happens to that information? Does it stay there forever? Could someone else access it? Could people who hated me leave really nasty messages about me after I die, making my family and friends upset? Possibly. Assuming I have any friends? Possibly. I mean, we're doing a hypothetical here, right? Right. But I mean, that that's the thing is that all, in all these cases... You know, it's all sort of hypothetical because it depends on who you're talking about. Yeah. So because, you know, anybody and everybody is creating a social network these right. days. And there, there are no guidelines in the United States at any rate no. to no official to rules or anything. suggest. Yeah, there's nothing that's there are no laws in place that spe- specify what social networking sites can and cannot do or, you know, any kind of rules they should follow should one of the members pass away. Yeah. Uh, that hasn't stopped some of the sites from formulating their own policies, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, a lot of what happens depends upon you and right. your family. Mm-hmm. So let's start with what you can do in order to protect your your online presence, or even just as a way of letting people you know online what has happened. I mean, there are... 
there are people who have lots and lots of friends who their main and sometimes only way of connecting with these people is through social networks. Yep. I mean, I've got a ton of friends that um, I, I don't email them. I don't call them, but you know, I see their updates on Facebook. I right. uh, might see a tweet from them, something like that. Um, so if I were to die, how would, how would, how would I, how would anyone get the word out to them? Um, here's some options you can have. One of course is that you make a record of all your username and password information and you entrust that to someone. Okay. Now you can, yeah, because most, most sites that do have policies require somebody to notify them with official proof. Right. So, but let's assume that. The site you're, you, we're talking about here doesn't necessarily have an official policy. Okay. Now they may handle things on a case by case basis, but if you wanted to try and just do a blanket approach so that no matter what the site was, your family wouldn't have to go through the process of contacting the site, verifying your death, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all they would have to do is they would have the, the information there. They could just go ahead and log in into the, to your account. So you could create a, a record. Of all your login information and, and give it to someone, or mm-hmm. you could use a service like Legacy Locker, right. which allows you to store username and password information for a fee, an annual fee or an upfront one-time cost. I think the one-time cost is two ninety nine ninety nine right now, mm-hmm. and the yearly fee is I think is twenty nine ninety nine. Right. Um, so for, they would store the information for you. Uh, some people suggest that maybe that's not the best approach because. It's a weak point of attack. If a hacker were to somehow access that information, they would have all of your login information for all of your sites. Uh, some people suggest that one thing you could do is just give half of your information to one source and the other half to another. So you might give your usernames to one person mm-hmm. and the passwords to another and not let them know what, who the other one was. <laughs> it's like the secret formula. But then how do they know to hook up after you've passed away and then get all the information out. Or you could tell them about each other or you could lock one set in a company like Legacy Locker and uh, that has the the uh, the directions to release that information upon your death. And then the person would have the first half of it could put it together and then access the information. Seems like you could put it in a safe deposit box. Yeah, you could do that, too. The the issue that uh, is brought up often is that most people don't even think about it. Right. Yeah. Like even it's when not drafting, that a lot of put, people put their in will. Right. Yeah. You draft a will. You don't necessarily think who gets my Facebook profile. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. it's, you're you're worried about because things. it's not a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They don't think of pro, uh, profiles about, like property. Yeah. I mean, you're not talking about who takes care of your kids and what happens to the house and you know who's going to get the cat. Right. And it, and it also concerns other people. It's, right. it's not like your profile is just your information. Right. So on, let's, let's use Facebook as an example again, because that's, that's one of the most recognizable social networking sites in the United States. I would and, argue it's the most. And, and they have a, a policy. Right. In place right. too, which is good. So. For examples. But with Facebook, it, you know, you've got your information that you've put into your profile, but there's also all the information people have left. Like if they've, flagged photos of you, if they've left messages on your wall, if they've, you know, if you've installed applications that allow people to interact with your profile in various ways, there's a lot of different information there that is not technically generated by you. Uh And so that raises questions too, like who owns that information? Now, if you read the terms of service, technically Facebook does, 
Facebook owns the the rights to yep. display all that information. But um, but you know, again, if you're applying this to other sites across the internet, depending on the terms of service, it's you know, it's a tricky situation. It's not necessarily cut and dry. Right. So, um, but let's say that you know, let's say that you have not set aside all your username password information you haven't you have not collected your login information for someone to get hold of after your death right and then somebody what can has you to do then okay well or, well you can't do anything really because you know you're just kind of moldering in the grave you know you're such you're, a sunny outlook you're pretty much done as far as the uh the whole pursuing the social networking thing goes i mean there may be a death book out there but um well, I, i'm not privy to it yet yeah you know they're they're uh, anyway, <laughs> I was yeah, just actually, to they're, a they're kind of somber. They're kind of are. Um, oh, well, that's but, true. But we won't. We don't need to get into that yet. But um, but yeah, okay. So, what in the can case, your family and friends do? So, in the case of Facebook, again, mm-hmm. using them as an example, you sure. have to contact uh, Facebook officials and and give them proof. Uh, you know that that somebody you know has passed died. away. Someone with a Facebook profile, because right. they don't care if it's you know just some random person. Seriously. Okay. Well, I'm just pointing. I'm just saying it because someone's going to write in. Uh, there's yeah. an online form. Facebook yes. has an actual online form that you go in and you fill out. You include the person's name and their profile information. And an obituary. You know. Yeah, you have, you have to, to have a link to an obituary or some news article. Like, uh, you know, let's say that your friend, um, you know, burned up on reentry after being shot through the air by a trebuchet. I'm just saying. That would have to be an awfully powerful trebuchet to get them outside the atmosphere. I'll show you my plans after the podcast. Okay, that sounds so, good. Uh, but but uh, yeah, you have to you have to send them proof. Yeah. So and, you've sent them the proof, and then Facebook's what they what they will do is they they give you two options. The family can choose to either close the account, which means that Facebook will delete all that information. It will be gone completely. Uh, anyone who was friends with you. Will now see an empty spot. There will, there will, there will no longer be a you in that friends list. Right. The other option is to turn it into a memorial site, a memorial profile. Uh huh. Now, memorial profiles are special in that the only people who can interact with memorial profiles are pre-existing friends, people who were friends with with the person before they died. Right. Uh, so random people cannot suddenly befriend a dead person and leave messages on that person's memorial wall. Right, right. Only the people who are already friends can leave any sort of messages. They can only post to the wall, really. They cannot uh, – status updates, things like that, those are all deleted. Mm-hmm. Uh, personal I- identification information can also be deleted, things like pa- – uh, uh, Addresses, phone numbers, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So to prevent people from just sending uh, information or letters or whatever to the family. A lot of families say that while they understand the compassion that strangers may have for someone who passes away, it can actually make it more difficult to deal with the grieving process when people are constantly bringing it up to you and you have, you know, there's no, you have no connection to these people. Right, right. Because they are getting something off their chest, but you can't really, you know, if you don't know them, there's no way to kind of reciprocate that, right? So you just get more and more burdened on you while these people are expressing compassion. Right. Uh, that makes sense. And it, it's, it's a difficult thing because, you know, as a compassionate person, of course, I would feel sorry for someone who lost a person that was important to them, even if I didn't know who that person was. But I don't want to add more burden to the griever 
than they're already experiencing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that information is taken away. The status updates are taken away, which is probably a good thing because, you know, it depends on what your last status update was. You do not want your last status update to say something like, dude, I was so drunk last night. I don't even know the person I woke up with. Yeah. That would be an awkward last word to have on your Facebook. Right. So that gets deleted. Uh, but friends and family can leave messages on your wall. And many of them use the Facebook as sort of a, a, a gathering po- place to grieve and to heal and to offer support to one another mm-hmm. and to share memories of the person who has passed away. And, uh, and in that sense, it's a, it, it can be a very valuable asset for people who are trying to deal with a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so those are your two choices. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the two basic choices. And, uh, not every site does this. Not every site ha- has a specific policy to handle this kind of situation. And like, um, uh, MySpace for a really long time. I mean, they, the thing about MySpace was they handled everything on a case by case basis. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, right now there's, uh, information up at the site. It says that you need to uh, provide, um, an obituary or a death certificate and they give you an email address to send it to you. And you write from a personal email address and explain your connection to the person who has passed away and your uh, request to delete the profile entirely or to, you know, remove certain parts of it. It doesn't appear that there is some kind of a, a memorial account. Right. Um, of course, in either case, you have to let them know because otherwise, you know, they have no way of knowing. Right. So, I mean, and the account will just continue indefinitely. Exactly. In, until somebody says, hey, you know, this person's no longer around. Yeah. yeah Facebook, yeah. Facebook specifically, um, states that they will not delete a user account, uh, for inactivity at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. You, you have to either request it yourself or again, uh, if someone, someone passes away, someone has to be able to request it and prove that the person has passed away. So the, uh, otherwise the, the account will just sit there forever. And of course, if it's not turned into a memorial account, uh, all the rules are out the window. Mm-hmm. I mean, the status updates are still going to be there. People can leave whatever messages they want. People, if you have not set your profile to private, people will be able to find you in search. They cannot find you in search if your account has been turned to a memorial account. If they mm-hmm. are no longer, if they have never been your friend, they won't be able to find the profile. Right. Right. Um, so all of that is off the table if no one speaks up on your behalf when you pass away. Yeah. Uh, your account will just sit there indefinitely until Facebook itself crumbles to the to dust, but uh, um, yeah, I mean that's that's something to think about too. I mean, it, it's weird to think about this because really, to the people who have passed away, it's not really going to matter. You know, you yeah. you no longer need to have earthly concerns like who is leaving what on your profile. Yeah. It's more for the people who are left behind. Sure, which is a weird way to think about it because your profile is a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. It's all about you, right? But but it's based die, on your personal no interaction. All of it. Yeah, it's all about it's all about the people who knew you. So right. it's a weird weird way you have to th- shift your thinking when you get to this this kind of situation. Uh, so let's uh, think about some other elements of of social networking passing away. Um, Facebook has a specific policy in place that it will not divulge login information to anyone. Right. Regardless uh, of the reason. Right. So uh, your privacy is protected in that sense. There, no one's going to be able to log into your account unless they're able to guess your password or you've given your password to someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's going to be able to log into your account and change anything. 
right. which is good because that would also be very upsetting to see someone's profile change after they've passed away. Um, yes. That's a very sick joke. Uh, even if it's done with the best of intentions, I would imagine that would have some pretty nasty repercussions from friends and family who would think it would be kind of crass. I would think so. So, uh, so Facebook does not give that information out to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it converts a profile into a memorial profile, there's no way to log into that profile, even if you have the username and password. Right. So if, if you've given the username and password to someone, but they choose to convert your profile to, to memorial status, uh, no one will be able to get into that and make any changes from that point on. Right. Um, and again, other sites, it's more of a case-by-case basis. A lot of them haven't really thought of it. I mean, when you're creating a social networking site, this is the sort of thing that's like furthest from your mind. You're really trying to think of ways to create an environment where people can connect with one another and use your application and uh, and and have it grow in popularity. You're not necessarily thinking, oh, what do I do if someone passes away? Yeah. And um, then suddenly just, you, you get confronted with an email. You know, you just completed a round of venture capital funding and you, you're thinking about how cool it is that you have this new site up. And then suddenly somebody goes, hey, you know, hate to bug you about this, but, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a it's a difficult situation. It's not and it's not something that is fun to think about and by any no, stretch sure, of the imagination. Sure. But it is something that's worth thinking about. Yeah. Um, and I mean, because a lot of this information, I mean, it, it sort of depends on the account. But this information is out there on the server somewhere, and eventually, who knows where it's going to end up. Right. You know. It's, and, you know, I, I should also point out that about. we're recording this uh, in, in early November 2009. Mm-hmm. Late October 2009, Facebook made this, this sort of uh, approach official. Mm-hmm. But they've been – the company had been doing this for a couple of years. It was just – it was quiet. I mean, you, you could contact them right. and you could have – Profiles converted to memorial profiles uh, already. It's just that they kind of they kind of made it an official announcement uh, in October. Mm-hmm. Part of that is probably due to Canada, because there are major concerns about online privacy in Canada, and a lot of companies that are springing up that are all about social networking raise concerns in the. Canadian government's mind about not that the Canadian government has one mind, but the minds of government officials in Canada that um, that perhaps they are not as careful about protecting privacy as they should be. Right. And when uh, Canada started looking into things like that, specifically at Facebook, one of the elements in there was, you know, have a have a well-defined policy of what happens if someone were to pass away. And what would be done with that person's information. So that probably has something to do with it. And I suppose that probably also means that there are other sites that are working on developing policies that can be clearly outlined. And I would imagine so. And, you know, you think about it. There's so many sites out there that I just think mm-hmm. of all the different sites that this applies to. And it's not just the things like Facebook and, and MySpace. It's Yeah, I mean, I know, checked on Twitter and didn't see a thing Twitter, about Flickr, this kind of policy. You know, photo, photo sharing sites, YouTube. Oh yeah, YouTube videos. Um, I mean, goodness knows that YouTube is already one of those places where I think the nastiest comments on the internet, yeah, <laughs> kind of pop up on YouTube. There's mean, mean stuff on there. It's YouTube and 4chan. That's one of the two places where you're going to see the 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 most uh, toe curling, frightening stuff ever. Uh, that's not a knock against 4chan. I'm just saying, you go into that random channel, you are you are <laughs> taking your internet in your own hands, my friends. Um, 
uh, those guys, they play rough. And I mean, you know, they find it fun. So more power to them. They're mostly doing it to each other. So, <laughs> uh, but the, uh, yeah, YouTube, same sort of thing, not same sort of thing, but YouTube, you see like these comments that can be really, really critical. Yeah. You don't want to see that popping up after someone passes away. What, yeah. what if they're make, keeping a video journal and people are leaving nasty comments on that last video journal entry? Yep. That's something that the family and friends are, are possibly going to want to, to revisit as, you know, this is a memory of someone they knew and it's the most recent version of whatever. And sure. Yeah. So there are a lot of things to think about and we don't have answers for all of this because once again, technology is moving faster than culture is. And, uh, I, I'm sure that we're going to see a lot more movement on this in various ways. We're probably going to see a lot of missteps where people are going to do what they think is the right thing. It's going to come back and blow up in their face. Uh, it's just bound to happen because we're human beings. We make mistakes. Yep. Um, the thing, important thing to remember is that I think everyone has the, the same goal in mind, which is to respect the members who joined the community. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be that they take the wrong path, but I think as long as everyone keeps that understanding, uh, we will eventually get to the right solution. I think Facebook is definitely on the right track. I can't really find any fault in in their process. No, and it's uh it's pretty well thought out. Yeah. You know, with different uh different contingencies and you know, the fact that there is a memorial account is pretty nice. You know? Yeah, yeah. Sort of a special I, thing. I I would like to say right now, I hope I don't see one for a really long time. No, me too. You know? Me too. So uh so to all my Facebook friends, eat your veggies. <laughs> Unless you're allergic. Then don't do oh, that. Oh no. Okay. Okay. Got anything else? No, not really. Okay, not let's really. uh let's move on to a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Rosemary. And Rosemary says, Hi guys, I really like playing the old games on the original versions of Nintendo and have been rather confused by how Duck Hunt and similar arcade games work. The gun console has kind of left me bewildered, and I would like to learn about it. I don't know if you have covered this in a podcast or not, but I'm really curious in knowing how it works. Thanks much, Rosemary. Well, Rosemary, uh, we have an article about this. It's actually a very short one, but I'll, I'll give you a kind of a rundown on how the light gun works for video games. So light guns have a little sensor in them called a photodiode in the barrel. All right. And that sense senses light that comes from your television screen. When you pull the trigger, it causes, it sends a signal to the video game. It makes the television flash for a second. It flashes very, very briefly. That's what the flash you see whenever you're playing duck hunt or gumshoe or any of those other games that involve the, uh, the light gun. And, um, when that, screen flashes, what's happening is it's blanking the screen and painting just the target a single color. So you're either getting a black screen with a white object or a white screen with a black object. And if the diode is able to pick up that object, it counts it as a hit. So it all has to do with sensing light. And it does this really, really fast. So we just see the screen flicker. We don't necessarily see the actual you know, outline of the object. But, uh, that's why you'll see that, that quick flash whenever you're playing one of those old light gun games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, it's kind of a neat, neat way of, uh, a, a really creative way of, of causing, you know, finding a new user interface for video games. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. So, um, now the newer games are different. 
they're, they don't necessarily use that same technology. Like the Wii games, they right. use that. Yeah. That's using an accelerometer and other elements to detect where your, your, uh, Wiimote is pointed. There's an infrared ray. There's a sensor. That's, that's a different monster altogether. We're talking about the old games here. Yeah. It would be, it would have to be constantly flashing as you use your, you know, Wii remote as yeah. a mouse. No. Yeah. And then the those of us with epilepsy would really hate playing Wii games. Yes. Exactly. Fortunately, that's not how it works. So, uh, Rosemary, I hope that answers your question. If any of you have any other questions, concerns, criticisms, suggestions for episodes, you can email us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Remember, we've got our live show every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find that at the blogs at howstuffworks.com. Just look on the right-hand side. And uh, if you want to learn more, there's actually an article up on the site about what happens to my online personal information after I die. Yep. Written by yours truly. Uh, that was a real joy to research, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but that's also available, HowStuffWorks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you